With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au. Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball. And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals. All thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Baz and Izzy for breakfast on SENZ Tuesday, the 31st of August. And another great day on the show. This time we went a little bit different. We went a little bit rogue. Went to the Belgian GP. Speaking of rogue... Hardly call that a Formula One race. Luke Smith was our correspondent up there. He took over from Kane Williamson, our previous Formula One correspondent. He writes for the Autosport, for Autosport and also New York Times. And he talked us to us about the debacle that was the Belgian GP yesterday. We went off to Bruce Sherrick after that, a player agent, but also the new COO of NZTR. And he is a man with a big job in front of him and a great sense of humour. So it was good to catch up with him. Chris Lindrum. Is his old mate, the, the head of the professional rugby at NZR and the new Pacifica tournament, which is up and running shortly. And then we went to one of the greats of the game, one of the great All Blacks, one of the great All Black captains, Kieran Reid, and we chatted to him. It's been a good day, is, and then you went on a little Bruce Lee <laughs> rampage. Mate, and then I went on Bruce Lee. I thought you were talking the movie, one of the all-time greats. He is an absolute <laughs> champion, so I got, I got all Bruce Lee on it. But really, you're talking about Bruce Lee's knees, which I had no idea you're talking about that. So apologies, you're listening to Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Luke Smith, he's a reporter for Autosport, in to tell us all things Formula One. Good morning, Lukey, how are you? I'm doing good, thank you guys. How are you this morning? Very, very good, mate. So uh, tell us, what, what's going on? What's going on with uh, in, in Belgium? The only last two laps is uh, Lewis Hamilton wasn't really happy, was he? No, he wasn't, no. As he said, it was a very, very wet race. Uh, probably the wettest race I can remember uh, for Formula One. And uh, unfortunately, these cars aren't very good in the wet. So obviously, we need things mm. to be very, very safe for the drivers. Don't want them having big crashes or anything. Um, and uh, we kept delaying the race and delaying the race in the hope we would get some kind of race going. Um, but yeah, in the end, all they could manage was uh, two laps behind the safety car. So going very, very slowly on track. And uh, then that was it. So we didn't really get any kind of race. We saw not a single overtake. It took about sort of four hours for us to even get that. And, uh, yeah, a very, very strange day for F1 as a whole. Was, was, was the big part to this decision, was that because of the, um, 
obviously a couple of years ago that that Herbert he was the racer that passed away over in, at the same racetrack. Was that a big influence to why this got called off and they couldn't race in those conditions? I think that would have been part of it, yeah. And I think we've seen mm-hmm. other F1 races in the past in those very, very wet conditions. It is hard to keep the cars on track. So uh, if it gets mm-hmm. too wet, they will uh, stop the race, which is obviously the best thing to do for a safety reason. Uh, so, yeah, so I think if you get the combination of probably one of F1's most dangerous tracks plus heavy rain, it's a, it's not a good mix. So, uh, yeah, as disappointing as it was, they had to put safety first and uh, make sure mm-hmm. we didn't uh, do anything uh, too too risky out there. It seems kind of bizarre that points could be awarded after two laps and behind a safety car in such a a prestigious type of um, event. Is there just absolute outrage at that? Obviously, Lewis Hamilton's disappointed, but is is that is that disappointment founded? <laughs> yeah, big time. Yeah, I think that pretty much every single driver is is unhappy about it. Um, Fernando Alonso, he's a two-time world champion. He called it shocking. Uh, Lando Norris, he called it a joke. All of the drivers, apart from Max Verstappen, who was the race winner, and uh, George Russell, who uh, got second place for Williams, which is an absolutely huge result for that team. (laughs) They would never normally do that. They're like the only guys who sort of haven't really said anything bad about it. But yeah, everyone else has said that it's it's a joke that you do two laps and that's enough uh, to score half points. Um, I think if they'd have done a half race distance, so like 20 20 laps, for example, um, that would have been worth the same amount. They would have got half points for doing that as well. So it's, uh, yeah, it's not a great look for F1. It's something they are going to look at and hopefully fix for the future. But uh, yeah, Lewis Hamilton was definitely not alone in uh, being pretty unhappy about that. Uh, I heard Lewis Hamilton mention money and he said, it's all about the money. It's all about the money. Is it all about the money in this instance? Uh, it's it's really hard to say. F1 themselves have denied that a lot. They've said that they were doing all that they could to try and get the race going because they, they wanted to uh, they, they wanted to give the fans something to watch. And to their credit, when they did do those two laps, there was a little bit of a break in the weather. It wasn't going to last long, but it was kind of now or never for them to even do that. Um, but yeah, the fact that they've literally barely hit the minimum requirement for a race and now there's questions about can these fans actually ask for a refund because technically they have actually seen a race. It just lasted two laps. So, uh, yeah, hopefully F1 does sort them out and get some refunds sorted because uh, it's obviously not what any of them paid to go and watch. So, uh, yeah, F1 themselves are very much saying it wasn't commercially driven. But, yeah, I think Lewis Hamilton, he was, uh, I think, understandably upset by uh, what had happened out there. Hey, mate, is, uh, obviously we, we, we hear of Lewis Hamilton, we hear of Max Verstappen, they are the, the big names of the sport, but this year have you been surprised by any other drivers that, are, that have really you know, brought a bit of an edge this year and surprised you? Uh, yeah, I think Lando Norris. I think he's been a, a big one, the British driver who's racing for McLaren. Uh, he was obviously big in the uh, Netflix series you mentioned uh, earlier. He, he was really involved in that last year and I think will be again this year. He's been really punching above his weight. He's consistently in the top five, uh, getting on the podium a few times as well. So he's been great. Uh, George Russell as well, who I mentioned, uh, he's driving for a team that is basically the slowest team. And yet he qualified second in really wet conditions on Saturday. Um, he did really, really well. He's looking good for a move up to Mercedes next season. So I'd see him in a, in a top-performing car would be great. Um, but yeah, may, maybe a little uh, biased because I, I'm British, but the two Brits have been doing pretty well this season, I've got to say. Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, Luke, for joining us on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Neither of us are huge fans, but we are probably in that in that uh, 
the demographic which are developing fans after, say, the Netflix, and your education is fantastic for all of us as well. So thanks for joining us, mate. Cheers, Luke. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Breaking news on Baz and Izzy for breakfast. Bruce Sherrick, he probably didn't get his hands on. I wonder if he was involved in this deal, actually. But anyway, Josh Uwani <laughs> has just signed for the Chiefs. He's going home. He's going north. He's going to Hamilton. I don't know what's better, Hamilton or Dunedin. But anyway, he's going to the Chiefs. He's going to the Chiefs. Chiefs mana, Josh Uwani. Thank you. It is well done. Right. It is time to get off to Bruce Sherrick as well. He's got a couple of hats. He wears a few hats, does old Bruce Sherrick. He's not only the Chief Operating Officer of NZTR, but he's also a player agent for rugby and rugby league players. And a hot topic right at the moment is vaccinations amongst our athletes. Keeping in mind that just a couple of weeks ago, the New Zealand Rugby League side and some of their players said that they weren't prepared to get vaccinations. Well, that makes it interesting landscape for all of our sporting teams as this COVID situation continues to play out. So we get an opportunity to welcome Bruce to the show this morning. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're good, mate. Now, Kempi's been on our show and he's given you guys a little bit of a touch-up, so I'm sure you've got an opportunity. (laughs) It's now your right to be able to do so during the next sort of six or seven minutes with us. But anyway, mate, let's start with your player agent hat on, mate. How would you... How would you go about explaining to an athlete that you manage right now about how important it is getting vaccinated and, and what it can do for their career based on the opportunities which may or may not present themselves around these these COVID situations? Hey, look, even before we go there, they're breaking news, is it? You should have given us a call a few days ago, mate. That's old. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh. Was that you, mate? You take your little 10 percent, did you? Oh, a little Tim sitting in the skyrocket, eh? Who's getting eh? 10 these days? Who's getting oh, 10? mate. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> hey, uh, back to vaccines. Yeah, look, it's a topic that's going to rear its head, I think, more and more as, as time evolves. Um, something we've just done last week, actually, in the racing industry was just to encourage um, people within that code to get out there and get vaccinated. As I think all the evidence is suggesting it's probably the only foolproof way to uh, protect an industry, a sport and the community really um, but everybody's going to have a view and I think that's got to be respected but if we're looking at you know, footballers in particular the one thing that's possibly a little bit unique to them is the fact that uh, most uh, and just about all are on fixed term contracts so when you're negotiating a contract clearly there's a set of terms and conditions now they can't mandate currently to, uh, to get the guys to um, have a vaccination. However, um, they can politely move on should there seem to be an unwillingness to get a vaccine. And, and the reason I say that is for a lot of our athletes, particularly the top end these days, travel is an integral part, especially for Kiwis who are travelling around the globe. So if you look at it from a logical point of view, and let's say you're in a super rugby comp or you're in an NRL comp, uh, and under normal circumstances, I'm saying travel borders are open and we let's say we migrate to a travel passport. The reality is if you can only play home games, you're only worth half value. So uh, mm-hmm. it may well be a polite um, thanks, but we're going to move on and look at someone else. Uh, so there would be that piece of advice that I would give to guys when, in fact, the question was raised. So that, that's the way I see it currently. Um, and it's evolving all the time. We know at the US Open at the moment, Crowds aren't allowed in without uh, vaccines. Um, 
and I think it potentially is the way forward in a lot of sporting events. Mate, how's, how's it been received among players, uh, these kind of conversations? Like, it, uh, it's a pretty touchy subject, if we're honest, about out in the, in the general public, uh, in the public, especially after yesterday with the news of uh, actually someone passing away from the vaccine. It's, it's, it's a touchy subject. How have those conversations been? Um, well, to be honest, they haven't been that, that prevalent currently. Uh, you know the boys too, Izzy. They're pretty, most of them yep. are pretty chilled and they go with the flow. <clears throat> a lot of the, the all-black lads have talked about getting the vaccine because of the travel that they're about to incur. So there was no yep. pushback that I'm aware of. I think everyone's views are respected. But there hasn't been, I guess, a sit-down and say, hey, look, we've got to seriously consider who's in and who's out. Um, mm. And, yeah, uh, look, it will come. And, and, you know, I've got to be honest with you, mate, the, high, the headline of yesterday to me was irresponsible. We're at a stage in this pandemic yeah. where um, fear of vaccines is prevalent in, the, in a certain group, and a headline-grabbing thing like that I doesn't help believe people it, eh? because I think if, couldn't you, believe well, it. if you drill down, if you drill down, there's a whole lot more to that. Um, mm. So, you know, I think it's pretty irresponsible at this point in time, and if I was the Don't PM, get bad started. <laughs> so yeah, yeah no, it's, it's an interesting one, um, and and it, and it will evolve in time. But I think it's something that you know, if we're giving advice, we need to be on the on the front foot. So I think the unintended consequences of a decline may be more than they expected in the future. Yeah, may I guess with your um, to, to flow on from that with your NZTR hat on. Um, Love Racing's come out with uh, a video uh, yesterday, I think it was, or the last couple of days, ex- um, yeah. just explaining why it's so important to get vaccinated and, and trying to encourage people to get vaccinated. So have you have you had a part to play in that? And, and do, you, do you feel as if the racing industry uh, is able to get it? I, I officially started yesterday, Bear. So that, that was the last week I was sort of dancing in the shadows. And I said, what about this as an idea? And, and kicked it off for them, actually. So that was something that I uh, brought to life last oh, week nice. and it got uh, issued yesterday. So, again, it's just, in my view, it's simply a responsible thing to do. Um, and, again, respecting everybody's views. But, uh, you know, as the racing industry is no different to any other um, sports around the country, the best thing we can do at this point is uh, aim to protect it because who knows what protocols we're going to have to instigate going forward. And it may well mm. be that uh, if you can... Um, show that you've got a high vaccination rate, that you'll be able to perform the sport ahead of others. I'm not saying we've had any indication of that, but that may well be a way forward into the future. Who knows? Oh, what a beautiful segue for my next question. Thanks. This is Bruce Sharrick. <laughs> Bruce Sharrick, not only a gun player agent who's, who's not quite getting 10% on his deals, but he's also the chief operating officer <laughs> of NZTR just taken over. Mate, the racing industry, so we're going to be back up and running, all going well tomorrow, right? But yeah, how do we, I mean, we, we can't be stopping and starting this racing industry based on whether we're going to level four or not. How do we mitigate the risks of, of, of that stopping and starting to be able to ensure that we can continue to race even through these trying times of level four lockdowns? Yeah. Look, it's a question, Baz, you know, and, and, and I'm like you. Look, I'm invested in the industry on a personal level, um, and I, I guess I, I walk that delicate line of understanding the political divide as well. We, we, we are under the order of our, of our government, and to date, 
their position is pretty conservative. We lobby consistently um, to push to see what we can do. Um, and to date, they've not... Uh, the IA and the, well, you've got to understand that the Minister for Racing is Grant Robertson, so we've got a pretty good connection to the very top. Is he um, listening? He listens, but I, uh, I'd like <laughs> to suggest that there's a lot of requests coming to him from the butcher, the greengrocer, the electrician, the yeah. builder, mm-hmm. the banker, the <laughs> manufacturer. So he's getting plenty of requests. So we've got, to, we've got to work out where we sit in this equation too. And I, look, I know as an industry we are huge and people don't really understand how big the racing industry is. You know, $1.6 billion to GDP employs collectively around 50,000 people in the country. So it's a big industry and we don't often mention that. Um, mm. But we do have to step in line with what the government is ordering at this stage. But I can assure you it's not through the want of trying and it's not through the want of um, you know lobbying, and, but being respectful to the minister and the, and the government of the day. We, we have to do that also. Mm. The other one just on that, Bez, and I think there's a bit of miscommunication or misunderstanding. The, you know, we look across the ditch and they race every week um, and we can't understand why we can't. I think we saw overnight uh, 1,200 cases in New South Wales. Their lockdown's not a lockdown. And I think if we're comparing it, we're comparing apples with pears. So uh, that's that's a little unfair because they are different environments. I know Victoria is harsh, more harsh, but still not to the level that we are here in New Zealand. So um, yeah, we we need to we need to get creative, um, but equally we need a government that's prepared to work with us. Okay, well, I'm going to throw this at you, and you'll you'll be well aware of this. But for those out there, so New Zealand. We have so we contribute one point six three billion dollars to the race. Uh, the racing industry does to the GDP. There's fourteen thousand um, full time equivalent jobs. That's seven hundred forty three million dollars in full time equivalent wages across the Tas- Tasman. Is sizable numbers, much more sizable than nine point five billion seventy four thousand um, full time equivalent jobs. They were able to put together a committee which which con- which consisted of Michael McCormick. Deputy Prime Minister, the Foreign Affairs Minister, Maurice Payne, Chairman of Racing Australia, Greg Nichols, CEO of Racing New South Wales, Peter Volandes, and Government Relations Man at the TAB, at the TAB Court, Tom Kalachor. Now, they put together this committee and they said it was critical that we were able to show we had the right plan and to take it seriously. And they lobbied government with government help inside of it to ensure that the racing industry, because of the size of it, was able to continue regardless of how big a lockdown there was. And they did it through been able to separate their jockeys and their trainers out into small groups. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Bruce. I understand. I'm just for yeah. those out there who don't yeah. quite understand. And and now that's been put at risk by the jockeys who have done what they've done over in, in Australia. But is there some way that we can transfer that there, that same um, structure, and be able to plant it in the New Zealand COVID situation, considering that our population is a lot more manageable that, than that of, of Australia? Look, a, a really good question. I think the key thing there, Bez, is you, the people you've mentioned, uh, a number of those are government officials. The view of racing in that part of the world is slightly different to what it is here in New Zealand. Now, we as an industry need to improve that relationship to the point that we are given the kudos for the con- uh, contribution we do make without overstepping the mark. Um, so, look, I... This, this is a personal view in a sense that as uh, we evolve through the pandemic here in New Zealand, that the government is going to be looking at ways 
to minimise the impact economically to our country. If we can get innovative and creative and get support from within the government, and that's the critical one, rather than it's, it's not right now, no, we don't really want to hear it, it's OK, let's, let's sit down and see if we can present something, then I think we will make headway. But it's, uh, it's like eating an elephant, mate. It's one piece at a time. And uh, we've, <laughs> we've, we've got to have a crack. I'm certainly not going to sit idle. Um, but we've got to be respectful of the government of the day because, uh, yeah, they are running our country. But I, I hear you loud and clear. Good man. Right, let's talk Kempy then. We've got to get to a break soon, but we want to hear about Kempy. Jeez, he, he's a character, isn't he? Tony Kemp, what a legend. Oh, mate, you, you know he's got Alzheimer's, eh? <laughs> what do you mean? Forgets, well, forgets all the oh, games boys, to be played like. You didn't know that. Yeah, well, he, look, he's, got, he's, he's ailed with a lot of things. Alzheimer's, he's dyslexic, he's got a lot of issues. So whatever he said on your show, you can't take him seriously. He's not a credible witness, no matter where you stood him up. So whatever he said, mate, I'd just leave it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hey, Gavis, what about any tips? I, I am... Did he give any tips? Yeah, he gave us one of your horses. What was that horse? I can't remember the name now, but one of your horses. He gave us a tip and it won in Rickerton. Mate, he would be the worst tipster you would ever get hold of. <laughs> we call him the mucker too. Anything he gives you, you get off it. And I could, I could sit here and chapter and verse and give you hours of tips around the country, around the globe, actually, that we've jumped on. As soon as he jumps off, we pull the bets off. <laughs> so I wouldn't oh, go there. Oh. Bruce, mate, we're going to let you go. And we I, really, and, really and appreciate it. For, 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 just before I go, just for clarity, Just Ask yeah. Me was named after him, not me. And I know that he's had a crack at that. <laughs> so that horse was fondly named by my partner, ironically, when we said, we need a name for this horse, because Alan said, we've got this horse racing. We said, which one? He said, oh, this, this thing in the paddock. We said, OK, well, let's name it after Kempe. And Ange said, well, let's just call it Just Ask Me, because there's not a topic you can raise that he doesn't know anything about. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was named after you. <laughs> Oh, that's a great parting shot. But as I said, he's got dyslexia, he's got got all sorts of ailments, mate. So I wouldn't tell you, he's not credible. (laughs) Oh, legend. Thank you very much for joining us, Bruce, and good luck, mate. We appreciate you being in the chair, and thanks for all of your insights. And you've got a big job in front of you, but he's the right man for the job. So thanks for your time, mate. 10%, eh? Thanks, guys. Anytime, mate. It's my pleasure to welcome someone that flies well under the radar in the back rooms of NZR, but I know without him and his work securing players, we wouldn't have the beast that is today. General manager, high performance manager, a man that wears many, many, many hats, Chris Lendrum. Good morning, mate. Good morning, uh, Izzy. That's an awesome welcome, mate. I need to um, need to bring you with me for some other events as well. Outstanding. <laughs> How are you? I'll never, never. I'm very good, mate. How are you? I'll never forget what you did when I retired, mate. You helped the transition. You made it a lot easier. So thank you so much. Uh, it's a pleasure. Pleasure. Hey, mate. Um, great news. Great news yesterday with the additions of two Pacific Island teams, Fiji, Darua, and Moana Pacifica. Awesome, awesome news for, for NZR and the new competition. Yeah, really exciting uh, yesterday. A lot of work that's gone in behind the scenes, particularly from those two new clubs. Um, mm. And 
But you've played in this competition, so you know um, how much flair and difference and colour those teams are going to bring. Uh, it's it's massively exciting to, I guess, finally deliver on the... Uh, it's been a little bit of a holy grail, hasn't it, trying to chase a Pacifica <laughs> team or teams to come into this competition, and looks like we're finally there. So, very proud day yesterday. And mate, uh, we've been speaking about this for a few years now, uh, the introduction to, for a Pacific Island team or teams into the Super Rugby, and all of a sudden it's happened during COVID. Like, what's going on? It's funny that it's, it's come out during the COVID times, and do we have a plan in place if, if COVID actually affects this competition again? Yeah, great question. Um, look, I think the thing with COVID, it's, it's made a whole lot of stuff in our world a lot harder to do, right? So planning for uh, tests and competitions and crowds or no crowds, all of that stuff's really difficult. But we've had a lot of practice also <laughs> over the last 18 months um, at working in it. And whilst it comes with challenges, it also has brought an opportunity. Uh, you know, South Africa yep. heading north for um, yeah. uh, their domestic or club competition. Um, and so us working with Australia and doing something on a little bit more of a local regional basis um, really brought forward this opportunity to not just bring one team in, but two. Um, we've had tremendous support from World Rugby. Uh, and and governments on both sides of the Tasman. So uh, it's funny, you know, like out of challenging times comes lots of opportunity. Um, you know that as a, from your sports mm. career that, that that can happen, and that's what we've done this time. And, and look, um, you're right, uh, we could still be in COVID uh, times, you know, during this competition next year. We've got a long time to run, six months before it kicks off, so plenty of time to to kind of figure that out, and obviously we'll have contingency plans in place um, if, if we need them. Yeah. Hey, Chris, um, there's been a fair bit of chat around the relationship between NZR and, and Rugby Australia over the last couple of weeks in particular. Is this a great sign that the two countries can work together for the, for the betterment of the game? Yeah, I think it is. Um, we've had really good uh, dialogue with the Rugby Australia crew around this competition. Um, I think, you know, like it, it's a new competition. It is, it's been done during COVID. Um, it is a pretty pretty challenging time to establish a new competition. New format has <laughs> to be decided. New teams to be entered. You know, um, new coaches, new management. You know, so Rugby Australia and ourselves are going to run the competition largely, um, rather than Sansa. So there's a whole lot of new stuff to get our heads around, and you, you kind of would expect and hope, really, um, that the debate and discussion and the ideas in that process will be really robust, and, and that's what it's been. So it's taken a bit of time to get it nailed, but I know that um, both Rugby Australia and ourselves at, at New Zealand Rugby are really proud of what we announced. I think the format's great. It's great for both countries that... Now we bring these two new teams in with a good mix of local v local games um, that we know our fans love, um, but there's also the um, you know the history and the challenge of of Trans Tasman um, games as well. So look, both sides really happy where it landed, um, and just excited now to get to kick off. Mm. So will this be a competition we can hopefully build on over the next few years, or is it very much a, just a a competition to get rugby up and running while we're in these COVID times? 
No, we see this as the basis of, uh, I suppose, elite club rugby in our region um, for the future. So we, we don't have a, a, a next step plan. You know, we've just spent our, our time focusing on what was announced yesterday and that's the plan for now. But, you know, looking down the line, um, I think it's absolutely possible this competition can expand when the time's right out into different parts of Asia Pacific, maybe even North America. Um, uh, but look, that's, that's very much for the future. Um, Linda, I just want to ask Pacific Island players in our country, they are a big part to our success and in, in what we do today. Has there been a lot of interest from from current players within New Zealand, rugby interest in the Fiji Drua and the Moana Pacifica team, and do they have the support if they really want to go and represent these sides from the NZR? Yeah, absolutely. Look, uh, as you can imagine, um, when you're a nation like, like New Zealand, and you're, you're right with heads, Pacifica players play for our All Blacks team, All Black Sevens, our Black Ferns, you know, there's such a legacy there. And I think some people look at New Zealand bringing a Pacifica team in and uh, almost a bit suspicious of the, you know, why why would we do this? Are we doing this to have more Pacifica players come and play for our teams? And yeah. nothing could be further from the truth, you know, and, and with World Rugby's involvement as well, this is all about strengthening those Pacifica nations and international rugby uh, as, as well as having competitive teams that grow the value of our competition. So... We're just going to sit down like we always do and have grown-up conversations with players about their aspirations. We know lots of people, um, uh, particularly second, third, fourth-generation New Zealanders of Pacifica descent will absolutely want to still play for the All Blacks um, and, our, and our national teams, but others want to represent the home nations, and that's exciting. You know, in the end, we want strength in Southern Hemisphere rugby. We'd love to think in time that Fiji could join the rugby championship, for example, and get as many of these teams in our part of the world into the World Cup quarterfinal. So that's the intention behind it, mate. Awesome, awesome. Um, just a little bit of detail about uh, Fiji. I know the next coming days they're going to kind of give us some insight. Are they going to be based out of, out of Fiji? I know Moana Pacific are going to be in Auckland and they're mostly home games in New Zealand, but Fiji, are they going to be based in the NZ? Uh, Fiji, look, uh, absolutely the plan A is to have Fiji playing in Fiji, right? Um, they might take the odd home game away from there, um, but they're going to be based in Suva and play games in Fiji. Um, next year, obviously, just a little bit of a challenge. country that's been ravaged by COVID, uh, really, really struggling, and we, we feel for all of the people there. So... I think Fiji's going to make some announcements in the next few days, mate, about where they're going to base themselves in 2022, just trying to juggle all of those balls. Um, yep. and, and we'll support them in the competition wherever they're based from next year. Awesome. Chris, do you, do you have to um, contribute a couple of players to these franchises as well, like to be able to really strengthen them up, or or it's very much you guys bring your own, your own team and, and see how you get on? Look, for next year, the basis of it is bring your own team. Um, but I know already in New Zealand that our other clubs um, are, are working with Moana Pacifica and there are discussions about players going on, um, which is which is really great. I think our clubs know that the bottom line is their fans 
whichever team they support, they want to see a competitive competition and they want teams performing well um, because, you know, close games bring the fans in, right? Um, and so there's a real desire from our clubs to see Moana Pacifica succeed. And if they succeed, um, you know, there's sort of a reflected benefit for everybody. So it's been awesome to see that um, early days, obviously, and heaps of work for Moana Pacifica to pull their squad together um, in time to start the comp. Uh, but as, as they establish over the next couple of years, I think you'll see more and more of that um, collaboration. Well, thank you so much, Chris Lindrum out of New Zealand Rugby, mate. We appreciate all that you do. We are going to unearth some absolute superstars from this. We know what Pacific Rugby brings to the current game. That is rugby, and, um, mate, we appreciate all you're doing. It is a moving beast, and there are a lot of things with COVID that's changing and making it a lot challenging, but we appreciate all that you're doing, mate, and it's going to be an unbelievable competition. So thank you very much for joining us, Chris Lindrum. Uh, awesome to talk to you both. Have a great day, you guys. Well, with the big news coming out of Team All Blacks this week, the Artie Savia will be a captain for the next few weeks. We thought, why not get someone who knows what it takes to be the captain of the All Blacks? He's also part of the Wednesday Golf Group. So before we get started, Rito, the big question is from Dippy. You played one round with Dippy a couple of months ago, and then you've never come back. Was it something that Dippy said to you? Because the boys are missing you. Yeah, it's a tough one, mate, eh? I think uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out there 100%. I've been out with the, the 58 out in the backyard, mate, um, practicing those chips at the moment. So, um, no, nah, it won't be too far away. It's, it's the young fella, eh? I'll get him away to, to school next year and I'll, I'll be into it, mate. <laughs> nice, nice. Mate, how's, uh, how's lockdown going for you, brother? All good? Family? Oh, look, mate, it's all good, eh? You can't really complain. It's, it's, it's what you got to do and the family's been enjoying it. Mm. Um, kids certainly are. Um, been quite nice down here in Christchurch, as you know. So I've been able to get outside and, mate, just uh, you know, keep them busy really that way. So um, soon looking forward, I think, to getting them back to school. But you know, just been able to get through it so far. Awesome, mate. Great to hear. Hey, um, obviously, great news and big news coming out of the team All Blacks. Uh, Adi Savia is the captain for the All Blacks. Was it? Do you reckon it was an easy choice in the end picking Adi? You've spent a lot of time with Adi. What does he bring to this? leadership group within the All Blacks? Yeah, look, I don't think it probably was a simple choice for Fozzie. Mm. I, I think it, you know, he obviously had a few options there, um, mm. you know, around some experienced players. But I think Artie's guy is going to, I think at the moment he's going to be the guy who's going to play 80 minutes out of the guys who are there, I think. Um, and so that's, I guess, who you want as, as your captain, someone who's going to be out there dominating the, the game. Um, right up to the end day, that's when the captain comes, you know, to the fore, I guess, in those last last few minutes of a test when it's tight. So um, that's exciting. I think what Artie brings, he'll just bring himself, really. Yeah, he's, he's a pretty laid-back character. You know, he's not going to be yelling and screaming and doing that, but what he will bring is a mm. pretty calm edge, you know, like um, won't get flustered in the big moments and, and will be able to, I think, make pretty good decisions when, when he needs to, so... Oh, it's pretty awesome for him, mate. I'm pretty stoked to, to see him get that. It's uh, yeah, amazing achievement. Mm. Hey, Rito, just just talk to us a little bit about how the actual leadership group, the framework of the All Blacks kind of work. Is it more of a coach-driven sort of environment or is it more of a sort of player-driven um, leadership group? Yeah, it's... Um, I'm not sure what, what it'd be like under Fozzie. Um you know, under Steve, it was kind of a collaboration, I guess. Like, so we would meet together 
leaders and and the coaches, but then also as leaders we'd meet as well, you know, outside of that, um, and then bring our ideas back to the coach. So, you know, it's, um, coach certainly has a lot of impact, I guess, throughout the week um, in rugby. Um, so you've got to be aligned, most importantly, around the messages you're giving, I think, in, in that. And then players have to be able to take over, don't they? Because other ones out there on the field on Saturday. So um, it's getting that mix right, I think, is, is the key. Um, I'm sure Fozzie's probably got that with the like, so, you know, Artie there, and then you've got Bodie and, and Broads to kind of help him out um, with a bit of voice. So um, I'm sure it's going to work out pretty well. Yeah, so with those those three there, obviously we're going to miss Sam Whitelock and Aaron Smith and, and Richie Mwanga, who um, has been talked about, are all three uh, strong leaders within that group as well. And obviously Sam Kane not there either. So there's a lot of leaders who are all going to have to step up into that, that position all at once. Would they have been blooded into that? Would there have been a, a, a system put in place to be able to give them opportunities prior to this big moment for them? Um, I think generally the leadership group has a number of guys in there, um, you know, who potentially some of them maybe aren't even playing. So there might be a few younger guys um, who have got that opportunity now to step up and, and lead through their voice. I think they've probably always been leading through their actions. And now maybe you take out a Sam Whitelock, Aaron Smith, and, and Richie, you know, naturally there's going to have to be someone to pick up that slack of um of that leading, you know, throughout the week, which is probably the most important part, um, is ensuring that you get the week right in your preparation and maintaining enough composure and enough kind of um, strategy within the whole group that you can turn up on, when is it, next week, um, next weekend, Sunday, and, and do the job. So uh, I'm sure they've been given enough opportunities, but now it's about stepping up and stepping in and um, having Artie as leader. I think there's going to be no qualms and guys... Um, being able to put their hand up, you know, he's not going to be someone who's going to um, stop that. So that's going to be a positive. Oh, well, we're talking about 128 test all black. Kieran Reid, if you've got any questions, give us a text on double eight double three. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to get a little insight to what you want to know from the man, uh, Kieran Reid. Rito, uh, I just want to ask you about this this all black side over the last couple of weeks. Um, what have you seen from them and what, what would you like to see over these next few months? Big tour coming up. Yeah, massive tour. Like I've, I've been pretty impressed with them against Aussie. Eh? Like so, they were, um, you know, there's a lot of talk around what the All Blacks need to do. You know, they need to play this mm. outstanding game plan and win by 50 to get plaudits. You know, and it's you know it's not necessary <laughs> that way. You know how Test matches just don't work that way. So, um, look, I think they've been pretty pretty impressive. I think with uh, you know certainly at Richie at 10 has been awesome um, for the side in terms of driving them around. Um, you know, I can see us just getting better. I think we can really attack the Australian set piece, um, their, their line out especially, um, from what I saw in those games. And then I reckon if you look at our our backs, if we get a bit of hopefully a bit of dry track over in Aussie, we'll be able to actually unleash them a bit more than what we what we could in, in Auckland, you know. So um, you know, it's pretty pretty positive signs I, I feel. You mentioned Richie Moanga there before. We had Christian Cullen on the other day, so there's obviously a horse called Moanga, which is doing great things in Australia. <laughs> Christian Cullen, the standard breed, did great things all through Australasia. Have we ever had a horse called Kieran Reed or Rido? Have we ever had one of those? No, we haven't. We haven't. Um, nah, I'm still hanging off for that, eh, Bess? You had one, mate? <laughs> how would you it? Would have had one. You would have named how, Joe. Well, we could, 
<laughs> no, there was one caught. There was one. We're getting one, one brother. We're getting one. We're actually looking for some syndication. Are we bears? Are you, are you keen? <laughs> yeah, oh, mate, we take would, we take oh. yin as well. If you're interested. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, the woodlands don't look after you very well. Eh? They're good people. Ooh. What sort of horse would what sort of horse would the what, what sort of racing pattern would the horse Karen Reed be? Oh, jump on the he'd, speed he'd and, and hang on. You get out there and hang on. He'd stay all day, wouldn't he? Yeah, he <laughs> He's would, a stayer, would. mate. One pace yeah. stayer. <laughs> no second gear. <laughs> no, but he'd keep going. <laughs> Keep going, mate. He's got a big, big heart. <laughs> he wouldn't get beaten by a nose either, I don't reckon. Oh, no way, no. no. Hey, Rito, I know you're very passionate about your leadership, mate. How's that, how's that going for you? Um, you got some big things in the pipeline, eh? Yeah, mate, it's awesome, actually. Yeah, so since I've been back, doing a bit of work around creating a little bit of a leadership kind of consulting program for myself. So, um you know, just really kind of easing my way into that, which is cool. And I'm, you know, creating a resource at the moment to use and um, a few conversations down the line. So, nah, it's, uh, it's exciting, mate. Um, obviously, just enjoying the family time now. But, yeah, looking looking to do a bit with that in the future. Nice. Mate, what is, um, oh, it's pretty hard to try and sum up in, in one sentence, I guess, but what are some of the key attributes you, you see in, in leadership and, and some easy things which you can sort of cross over, not just sport, but into business and, and general life as well. Yeah, look, I think there's heaps of lessons you can take eh, from you know sport and what I've learned over into business or anything really. So, look, I reckon the important thing is around a leader is really understanding who you are is the biggest one. So, you know, it's a it's a pretty big process in doing that, um, and then understand I guess how you want to lead. You know, like those two. Two pillars there are pretty crucial, and it will set you on the right path. So then, basically, the decisions you make um, based off of those core values and based off those, um, you know, really pillars of of who you are, will will bring all your decisions with integrity and, and make it pretty easy for you. So I think those are, you know, pretty simple ones, and and but pretty key to get right, um, and it'll, it'll give you a better platform, I guess, to lead. I feel so. Yeah. Do you, do you spend much time being able to bounce around other leaders within not just in rugby but the other walks of life or other sports people? Um, it was weird, eh? Like I would have loved to, I think. Um, you know, when I was playing and, and stuff, and but didn't really get the opportunity. Um, and have, have done a little bit. You know, you bump into guys and, and, you, and you yarn and stuff. But yeah, it's um, it's exciting to pick up different things from from different sports, and um, it'd be something I'd be keen to, you know explore you know is not just be stuck in rugby or whatever it's um um pick up pick brains of of different areas you know in olympic sports or or cricket or whatever yeah hey mate you've you've just dabbled into a bit of tv a bit of broadcasting media you're in the media now mate how you found that <laughs> oh mate it's been good eh? you know like just uh you know jumping on your coattails daggy and um <laughs> just just learning off the best you know so um it's it's been cool. I actually really enjoyed it. It's uh you know it's something that's a bit different for myself and um you know obviously from what I've been doing. So uh but it's it's fun actually and so it's something I probably will keep a you know a little bit of fingers in and and try and do a little bit more often. Nice, nice, mate. Hey, before you go, there's been a lot of hostility between the All Blacks and Australia. How do you think this Sunday's going to go? Be 
be a bit of fireworks because you played that game actually in Perth the last time they played and actually they tipped the boys up. It's been a pretty tough game over there. <laughs> yeah, it was more than a tip up, I think. You know, it was a bit of a hiding. Um, <laughs> they, uh, you know, I think we just got stuck in it. It was Perth. It was, oh, yep, this is beautiful. Have a nice week. And then uh, turn up for the game and go pretty pumped. But, um, no, it was, it was a difficult one. I think, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it was a mental issue for us that day and I don't think perhaps the All Blacks this time around will have that issue around not turning up expecting what's going to happen so um, especially with the way the talk's been coming out I'm just not sure you know I think the Aussies it, for me looking in or looking from the outside I just don't see why they have to start talking it just makes it worse for themselves I think because yeah. All Blacks already have a little bit of hate for the Aussies and if or enough but if they don't talk you don't kind of build it up whereas if they start talking yeah. then Suddenly in the All Black camp, they're going to be talking about it. Oh, you know, these guys are saying this, whatever. So it just adds a bit of fuel that they just don't need to do. And I think when that happens, the All Blacks tend to come out and play pretty well. So um, I think they'll go pretty good. That's what I spoke about on the air when Andrew Calloway, the silly kid, came out and said that. I said the boys will be putting that on their walls. We'll be getting right into mm-hmm. it. And I heard that Brody Retallick actually gave him a little one in a ruck one time in that game. So anyway, because <laughs> yeah. I don't oh, nice. say it, a silent team is better than a talking <laughs> team. We know that, Rito. So, we know um, that, nah, yeah, mate, Thank um, you so much. Sorry, mate. You go. No, that's the thing. I think it's... Uh, but what is probably the most exciting bit about these guys being away is when they play South Africa in a month's time, whatever, that's going to be the test, I think. So looking forward to that. Mm. Awesome, mate. Awesome, mate. Hey, thanks so much for your insights today on, on the Bears and Izzy. Thanks, Rito. Show, mate. We really appreciate your time. Cheers, guys. Uh, and all the best. We'll catch up on Wednesday Golf soon, eh, my mate? Yeah, mate. All do. Okay, thanks, guys. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.